It's time for Tupelo Tom and Big Lou talking. And now, here's Tupelo Tom and Big Lou. I'm Tupelo Tom. And I'm Big Lou. And, and we're, we're talking. talking. <laughs> no, okay, we're going to get that right one of these days. We're one of get these days, perfect. the only time we can ever really get it in sync is when we're standing next to each other. But here as we do it, uh, you in Oklahoma and myself in uh, Mississippi and Alex there in uh, in uh, South Carolina, our producer, um, I, I just I can never get it on. I don't know why I I, I never get it in sync. Well, with you. we're on a new program now, so it actually will be easier because the timing is great. Yeah. Well, I don't know about all that. I just uh, I told Alex he's using some new computer program to record this podcast. And I told him, well, you know, I've just gotten to the point where I didn't know how to use the other one. So I'm not really sure <laughs> about this one, but we'll give it a chance. If you can if you're listening to this now and you can hear everybody uh Somehow it worked. And of what Alex said before we started, which is great, season two, episode one, we're on our second season, man. That's right. Or if you're in England, we're uh, at series two. This is <laughs> series two. Uh, but I'm very excited about it. I, who, You know, they said it wouldn't last. And by they, Dude. I think uh, Jeff and myself were the ones that said that. <laughs> um, but it, just exciting. A season two and uh, looking at new things. And, you know. As you as you enter the world of, of Elvis podcasts and the if the field is crowded, everybody's kind of marking their territory, going around and doing all what they want to do. Jeff, I think you and I, we just do what we do. And and I, I the other day I saw a little write up about our podcast, what Alex had written for us, our producer. And it said, you know, just two Elvis friends talking about stuff. And yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what we do. We just we just talk about stuff. And I have a cool story to share. Um our, our great friend and current ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist champion, Cody Delnath, was at Parks. And That's in Australia. Yes, sir. And apparently Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talkin' was the talk of the town. So everybody there listens to us, so all of our Aussie friends, thank you so much. And I just got back. Every Friday I go to this little cigar bar. And me and a bunch of guys talk about absolutely nothing important. And we have the time of our lives and all of them listen to our podcast. So there's a little shout out to my cigar bar buddies. Wow, that's very cool. Well, yeah, I have no neat. friends uh, and uh, no one I know <laughs> listens to the podcast. And uh, I just uh, do my little radio show and come home and play with the dogs. Uh, so I'm, I'm assuming they listen at some point. But I'm very excited. What about you, Alex? Anybody uh, complimenting you on, on the podcast since we're complimenting ourselves and breaking our arms, patting ourselves on yes. our back? Well, I just uh, had a lady stop me. I was competing at the Smoky Mountain Elvis Festival. And she's like, you produce Jeff and Tom's podcast. I was like, oh, you listen to it. She's like, well, I'm going to start soon. So there's that. We have a potential listener. And my new buddy, Derek Spence, George Strait tribute artist, who's amazing. Uh, I told him about it. He goes, man, that's going to give me something to listen to on the ride home from Houston. So hello, Derek, if you listened. There, that's very cool. And I, I was yeah. with during Elvis week. We'll talk about Wink Martindale later. Uh, but uh, I was talking to Wink about the fact that we have a podcast and and uh, he, he was very excited about it. So th- there's a possibility maybe at some point this year we, we might have uh, we might be able to uh, hoodwink Wink Martindale and, and get him on the <laughs> podcast as well. So and my buddy at the cigar bar, when I told him that, he goes, you mean the defensive coordinator? I said, no, no, no. <laughs> the first week, Martindale. 
<laughs> yeah, there's a what's the story? There's a coach or something on a on yeah, a team. Yeah, Wake Martindale. Yeah, he's a, yeah. a coordinator for the Steelers, maybe. But uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I said, no, no. The 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 first original Wake Martindale. They started naming all the shows Wink was involved with. Exactly. By the way, I'm embarrassed to say this, Tom. I'm a football genius. I've won several fantasy football leagues. I follow the game, study the game, made it to the championship. Alex Mitchell won our fantasy football league. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Alex, uh, what can you say? Uh, any words uh, of victory uh, to the other contestants and to the league? I was accused by Mr. Lewis of steroid usage and number finagling and sleeping with some officials. But uh, it was a clean, honest win on my it part. Was. And don't call it a comeback because this is the first time it's ever happened. That's right. I, you can't miss me if I don't go away. So you've been here all the time. All the time. They got mad at me one time years ago at Turner uh, when I was at TCM. They asked me to join a fantasy football league, and I know next to zero. About, I, I know everything from the 1970s. Uh, right. You know, I, all those teams. I know all those guys. Um, so they got upset with me that I started drafting people based on NASCAR numbers. <laughs> they would have, you know, like, Tom, you need to draft a running back. And, and I said, and it would be like, a, and I go, well, who's anybody in there? Number three. And they said, well, this guy's, and I said, I'll take him. He's, he's got Dale Earnhardt's number. And then this guy, you know, he's got, this is 20. Oh, well, that's Tony Stewart. I'll take that guy. Cause he's got Tony. Stewart. I knew zero about football. I came in second. Yeah. That could have been actually, Barry Sanders. I got in the Super Bowl or whatever the final thing they call it. I was in a, in the final game with the guy, and I just totally forgot about it. And one of my players had been injured like two weeks before, and I forgot <laughs> to rotate somebody else in. So I was playing an injured guy, and I lost by like three points. I could have won the whole thing knowing <laughs> zero about it and not doing any trades during the year either. I never, I never touched it again once – once I drafted all my players. so And people are asking, well, how, what does this have to do with Elvis? Well, I'll tell you. Elvis was a big football fan. Jim Brown was his favorite player. The Browns were his favorite team. And ESPN did a great thing one time. There's those great pictures we have of Elvis playing football. Mm-hmm. And John Gruden broke down Elvis's passing style. And where his positioning was, that was one of the coolest things ever watching that. And apparently they said he had a pretty, pretty good form when, he, when it came to throwing the football. So there's your Elvis uh, connection. Also, a year or so ago, uh, Peyton Manning came to Memphis. He's got a little uh, series on ESPN Plus called uh, Peyton's Place. And he joined Jerry Schilling and they analyzed all the plays. Same kind of thing. Looking at uh, photos and uh, there's a photo of Elvis passing the football his throwing arms in the air and his other hand, his left hand is making the motion like it looks like a gun. And he said, wow, look at Elvis's style there. He's throwing the ball, got great spin on it, got a great release. And then he's shooting the gun with the other hand. He's just he's so Elvis. <laughs> so great. Elvis loved football and these guys love their fantasy leagues. So congratulations, <laughs> Alex. Um, Thank you. Did you guys name your teams? It's the ETA football league. Yeah, I'm, I'm the Hulk smashers. I'm Alex and the good old boys. <laughs> You're the good old boys. <laughs> You're the good old boys. Oh, and everybody better know what that's from or, or they're not forgiven. Oh, my team was the obviously the intimidators. So uh, Ooh. that's uh, I'll have to I'll have to take them out of retirement uh, and uh, and join your league next next season. Well, we have an opening, so we got room for you. OK. <laughs> 
so I, I was I was at Graceland. I was at uh, in, in Memphis during Elvis uh, birthday weekend. And it was very cool because it just coincided uh, every now and then it'll do that uh, where Graceland, where they promote the birthday weekend. And it said it was uh, Elvis birthday celebration, January five dash eight. And of course, eight being Elvis's birthday and five being my birthday. So it was fun to see that sign that said five dash eight. So it was the Tom Brown Elvis bookend weekend. And uh, one of the things that we talked about, I was I got to hang out with Angie Marchese, VP of archives and and, uh, does so much. She's got exhibits in England right now in the UK where people are are going. And I think it's been held over, actually, at the. Uh, We also marked uh, this month the one-year anniversary of uh, Lisa Marie's passing, and in honor of Mm -hmm. that and in remembrance of that, Angie, right now as we record this, uh, the Lisa Marie exhibit, uh, Growing Up Presley, uh, that's there. um, What a great name. yeah, in 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 the uh, in the in the uh, museums there at, at Graceland at Elvis's Memphis, um, they're expanding it. And so, if you go to Graceland between January fifteenth and January thirty first, it's closed. It's going to be reopening on February first, which is uh, Lisa's birthday, and it's going to be all new. It's going to be expanded. So much more stuff there uh, to honor Lisa Marie and her memory. Uh, so, growing up, Presley, look for a, a brand new exhibit and, and all kinds of cool stuff that'll be happening at Graceland. And the other big news that came out uh, during January around um, uh, early in the month was this uh, release um, that uh, Lisa had been recording uh, her thoughts and, and stories to work on an autobiography. And uh, it's one of the ways that a lot of people will work on an autobiography. They'll just get a tape recorder or however you record things these days. Alex would know better than me. Uh, and they just <laughs> you, t- you tell stories and, and you start remembering things instead of sitting down at a typewriter or a keyboard and uh, and, and writing. You, ju- you get that and, and you just start telling stories. And in this case, um, that's what she did. And, and Riley mm. has uh, has taken those tapes and is is working on um, finishing starting and finishing, I guess, Lisa Marie's autobiography that will be out wow. later in the year of 2024. Right now from Random House, a press release said it's uh, going to be uh, coming out October 15th. A couple of thoughts. It's hard to believe it's been a year since she passed. Yeah. And, and, and you know, we Tom and I, of course, Alex is too young, but of course we remember where we were when Elvis died and what an impact that had. And we were around to see what an impact it had on everybody. And what Dean Z told us in the interview, which I thought was fascinating, was how Lisa Marie was his connection mm-hmm. to Elvis. So he remembers when she passed, like we remember when Elvis passed. And it's just, of course, colossally sad, but it's just um, hard to believe it's been a year. But thank God for Riley. What a gift. Yeah. She has yeah. been to Elvis fans and our community. Uh, like we talked about the special, the Christmas special. Uh, I, I just think that that we always knew that the Elvis legacy was never going to die, but now it's getting a whole new high octane shot because of her, and it's just really awesome. And I think one of the things that impresses me the most is she is a successful producer, director, and actress. And people ask me uh, before birthday, you know, is she going to be there at birthday this year? 
uh, and then she wasn't there and people were like, oh, she should have been here. I was like, well, you know, she's busy. She's at the Emmy Awards tonight. <laughs> right. um, she's nominated for an Emmy. I mean, she's wow. got a career. Uh, I think uh, by producing and appearing in that that special in December, that was her foray into joining the Elvis family in, in this way and presenting and being really the representative now of, of the estate. And also, if you if you go online, and a lot of people might not have seen these. There were um, uh, a, a lot of red carpet pictures of uh, Riley arriving at the Emmy Awards, accompanied by her grandmother, Priscilla Presley. May so for, for, for everyone that's that's got their scenarios in their mind about what they think is going on backstage in the Presley family. Uh, I would say if there's any type of feud going on, you don't bring your feuder to the red carpet at your Emmy Awards. <laughs> right. And I get so tired. We talked about this, Tom, uh, the other night. Don't believe everything you read on Facebook for crying out loud. These are just people typing into a computer that know nothing. Uh, you know, we have no idea behind the scenes. We have no idea what business transactions, how things are twisted. But you see them smiling together. And uh, they are family, and just just sit back and enjoy the happiness they have and the spirit they have. And they've gone through a hard time. Well, and I, I, I put it back on the, the, the fan, too. So your family's perfect? Everybody in your right. family gets along? Nobody <laughs> right. had a feud? Nobody forgives Amen. anybody in your family? Everything's great? Okay, well, you've been incredibly lucky. It's amazing. <laughs> right. uh, but I'm very I was very happy to see that. And uh, it's funny in, in looking, uh, I went back and looked up the growing up Presley. I wanted to know how long the Lisa Marie exhibit had been there. And it opened in August of 2018. And I had forgotten I was there for the opening. I'd forgotten Lisa Marie and Riley were the ones that did the ribbon cutting on the exhibit oh, back wow. in August of, of 2018. So she's been she's been there before. She's been a part of, of, of the Elvis world uh, before. And I think working on this uh, this this story uh, for her mother and working on this book um we'll be seeing a lot more of her during the year of of 2024 you know when she can work it in with you know being nominated for emmys and you know things like that there's a there's yeah. a lot going on there and jeff the other news and and i was uh, i wanted to get alex's uh, download on this because he's very much more in tune jeff with with what's going on in the world of uh you know, computers and AI and all that kind of stuff. The uh, the list of celebrities uh, that have been resurrected using AI in the case of ABBA, uh, they just don't want to tour anymore and perform. So the AI, uh, you know, uh, computer, whatever technology, we, uh, technology thank you. Uh, they've got that <laughs> theater and they, they perform. ABBA performs. And now, according to the press releases that we've, we've seen, AI is going to be bringing Elvis back in, in concert wow. uh, later in the year. It's going to launch in London in November. And then uh, he'll be on tour to Vegas, Berlin and Tokyo later in the, in the coming years. And uh, this, the, I was just reading about it. It's a, uh, they, it's uh, an immersive specialist. It's called layered reality is the show that's producing it. And, uh, it's a hologram projection, augmented reality, and uh, there's going to be sets and live actors on stage, and and Elvis will be will be appearing on, on stage, and it's going to include what I was reading. We're going to go to Tupelo during during the uh, the concert during the show, wow. um, and Graceland. So it's it's interesting. It's called Elvis Elvolution. 
Uh, and, and so we'll we'll see we'll we'll see what happens with that uh, thoughts thoughts and, and concerns, Alex, on your part with the, this augmented reality. Which, by the way, I'm appearing uh, in, as AI right now. I'm not I'm not actually here. This is I program my voice into a computer and it's forming these words. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I thought so too. I'm curious to know how they're going to pull this off as far as a lot of the concert footage we have at Elvis. It's different angles and cuts so that doesn't leave for like a full body image on screen for a hologram the whole time. So I think they're going to have to have somebody um, stand in and record and recreate Elvis's performances so they can Didn't they then, do that with Roy Orbison too? Yes, yes. Yeah. And that's a really cool and I think Buddy Holly as well. Oh man! Um, but see the and, technology, the change in technology from two years ago, from when they did Roy Orbison or whatever it was, leaps and bounds. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can. Cody showed me this program he had on his phone that he said to name something, you know, a photo of something you want to see. I said, okay, I want to see uh, Elvis in a jumpsuit riding a a, a lion uh, on a, on a volcano. And he typed all that in, and it did it. It, it like it showed it, and it's amazing. I, I just think, you know what they 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 program. They let the AI see Elvis on tour, and it goes, okay, we got it now. We we can do this. That's a great point. And Tom, you know, when we were in Texas, they had some AI program that put Elvis's face on yours, or if you look like Elvis, whatever. Everybody looked horrible and goofy, except you and I. That's we true. Like models, yeah. that, we, well, I look like the most interesting man in the world who just kind of resembled right. Elvis. Um, yeah, that's uh, that, that it's it's in, and frightening. If I was yeah. a celebrity these days, I yes. I don't talk politics with anybody. Uh, but I, I dread this year uh, is what's going to happen in politics with with AI and deep fakes and, and things like that. It's it's going to be an interesting boy. You talked about earlier, Jeff, where you said, you know, don't believe everything you read. <laughs> don't believe yeah. everything you see this year. Taylor Swift is going through that right now. You know, yeah. and, uh, it's 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 a sad thing. There's a, there's a lot of people that have too much time on their hands and are very bad people. But, you know, there will be some people complain. Well, it's not Elvis. <laughs> I know Elvis has passed. Unfortunately, I will take anything Elvis. The more you want to give me of Elvis, I will take it. Be quiet and enjoy it. It's Elvis. He's still relevant. He still matters. Isn't that great? Why don't complain? We're getting more Elvis, you know. <laughs> You know, if we, you know, that's an interesting idea. Alex, take this down. It's an interesting idea for a future episode uh, to go back and look over the last 25 years at year to year. What we've, you know what, it's it's come out slowly because obviously, you know, a year takes a whole year to pass. Uh, the releases that we've seen, the, you know, the symphony albums, the the big screen show and the evolution of that. Uh, album releases that our friends at Sony put together with outtakes and themes where they're gathering things together into a package. You know, Elvis back in Nashville in the studio and you hear the chatter, just all these releases and the things that we've heard. We continue to get new experiences. And that's what is so exciting about all the young people that are coming into the Elvis world now and finding and and. and living with all this stuff, it's all new to them. And so Elvis is relevant, is as relevant to them as he is to us who happened to be alive when he was here. They don't know any other experience other than him not being alive. So that doesn't get in the way of their enjoyment. They're not comparing it. Well, it's not Elvis. Of of course it's not. Like you said, of course it's not. But (laughs) this is its own 
experience. This is its own way of experiencing that music and the movies and the life and the man and his family and uh, to be enjoyed and shared with other people. And how powerful is it that Elvis is such a massive presence in our culture that people want to continue to create and bring new stuff to the forefront with him. Uh, You know, it's no other celebrity or person like that ever. Uh, So it's just real exciting and thank God for it. Uh, It's for example, the other day I'm on Facebook and one thing I think we're going to try to do this year is I think we have, we have a Facebook page. We have a website. We're going to do a, um, be more proactive in that. So those of you listening want to interact with us, uh, we'll definitely uh, get better at that. We, we had such a busy year last year, and this year we got a little bit more uh, uh, time to, to uh, engage in that way. But I was fortunate enough, as we all are, to have known DJ Fontana. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the, the episode we had, that great interview you had with him. And when I was at his house one time having dinner and I got to sit behind the drum set, the famous drum set, got some great pictures with DJ and just with me and the drum set. And for the first time, somebody posted a picture I'd never seen of Elvis playing DJ's drums. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, that picture I had behind that drum set just became a lot cooler. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and so it's so great. These people that are on Facebook, there's a few groups I'm, uh, have joined up that, that post pictures i've never seen and they'll have themes you know elvis smoking a cigar and they'll find all these different pictures and it's just uh, fantastic i remember before i discovered the quote-unquote elvis world me and my best friend mike owens used to lament and talk about man isn't it sad that elvis is gone and we've seen everything all the pictures we weren't even in kindergarten you know what I mean? I mean, we didn't even scratch yeah, the yeah. surface of how much is out there. And so I just love to see, you know, Baz and Riley and all their involvement and all the new things coming uh, and, and all the, the stuff that we get to continue to see. And I hadn't thought about that, Tom. That's a great point. Younger people that weren't here are getting to discover him in a way that we're getting to discover him all over again, too. It's really right. cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just a different it's a different level. It's a different phase, a different kind of experience. And I think the the festivals that that you guys produce uh, with all the ETAs is is another way to 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 have that that live experience that that gives them that. Uh, And I'm always uh, one that, uh, you know, uh, is is looking out. I, I have the opportunity in hosting a lot of these festivals to look out in the audience and see faces that I know. And, and like we've talked about over the last year, a lot of faces that we've we've never seen before. And I just think um, as we come back to these towns now in the second year of that growing and them going, you know what, I, I, I came to three concerts last year. I'm going to go to all of them at the festival this year. And I'm and now I'm bringing more people yeah. to, to show that experience. And I want to talk about, you had mentioned, uh, I think someone that, that doesn't get enough credit, uh, and we need to have her on the on the podcast, too. I, I'm, I know we can make that happen. Angie. Yeah. Her ability, every time I go to Graceland, you think, well, I've been to Graceland, I've seen it. Angie is a genius. At Every time you go there, there's something different. And it looks different. And, and she, you know, she has just done an amazing job of keeping Graceland current, relevant, 
different every time you go and visit it. And uh, good on you to her. I mean, she's just done a, an amazing job. We need to have her on and just ask her some fun questions. I think she would do that. There, now, the, now it's out in public. The pressure's on her now. That's really now she's going to look bad. So I, I think uh, we can we can we can shame her into that. I think, uh, and and that leads us into uh, you know birthday uh, the, the the weekend of birthday, uh, all the events and how they continue. Alicia and Jen and everybody at EPE along with with uh, Angie, how they're able to come up with with events and things happening there uh and 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 every year january and august new ways of of doing things and experiencing things and one of the big cool things that happened leading up to um leading up to uh, uh birthday was angie on their facebook page had been dropping hints in posts every day as to you know we've 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 got in our possession a new uh, a new a new something new for the collection for the archives. We've acquired something new and she left a breadcrumb trail of clues in posts leading up to Elvis uh, birthday celebration on the eighth. And if you, and some certain words were capitalized in, in captions in her Facebook posts in the Graceland's Facebook posts. And if you took those words and you just wrote them all down on a piece of paper it was pretty easy to kind of connect some dots and realize that what they had acquired at an auction in late 23 was the acetate, the, the demonstration record version, the quickly pressed version on vinyl of That's All Right Mama that Elvis had recorded on July 5th, 1954, and that the next day Sam had pressed, and that afternoon – that evening took it to uh, WHBQ radio at the Chiska hotel. The night that Dewey Phillips played Elvis, you know, the story about, you know, him playing it and Wink Martindale, a guest at Elvis week was actually in the room in the studio that night and was there when the song was played and Elvis was not at home listening to it. He was at the movies cause he got too nervous. The legend is, Dewey said, we've got to get this kid down to the studio. Wink called the family at Lauderdale Courts, and they went to the theater. They got Elvis. They got him in. But that acetate, and, and Wink's another one, I, you know, like I said, I want to have on the show. To, I want him to tell his story of yeah. that legendary evening at WHBQ. That's his story to tell, not mine. But that acetate came back to Memphis was a part of the opening festivities of the birthday celebration with the cake. Wink was there, he thought, to read the proclamation from the mayors of Memphis and Shelby County of of Elvis Day. He did not know that that acetate would be there. Wow. They had a record player on stage. Angie said, we're going to play this one time. And then it goes on display. And from that room, we figured it was July 6th, the next night at WHBQ. A lot of people have different varying dates on when it happened. But Wink thinks it was the 6th. And I'm going to go with the guy who was in the room. It was Um, there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That record was there on the lawn, on the stage. And Wink dropped the needle on that acetate. And everybody there heard what happened. The big boom of rock and roll. That those grooves 
played that same song in 1954. Those were the first moments of Elvis music on the radio. And that acetate with that needle playing it with Wink Martin standing there back with that back with that record 70 years later. I mean, an amazing moment. And I mean, that that round object changed the entire culture of the planet. It yeah. did. Yeah. And that can't be overstated. And uh, a, a lot of people were confused, you know, because it came out uh, several years ago. Uh, Jack, uh, Jack White, uh, uh, the musician from Nashville, musician, songwriter, producer, uh, Third Man Records. He owns that record label and, and, and store. Guest uh, on he, American Pickers, by the way. Uh, that's right. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he's known for a lot of things, but I probably, you know, forget the Grammys. That American Pickers was the, the big American thing. American Pickers episode was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but he bought the acetate. He, he bought it. People were like, well, I thought Jack White owned it. No, Jack White owns My Happiness. Yeah. Jack White owns the acetate that Elvis recorded for his mother, supposedly, uh, who <laughs> didn't have a record player, um, <laughs> when when Marion Keisker was there and recorded him and Sam wasn't there, if Elvis doesn't go to Sun to record My Happiness in 53, she doesn't remember him in 54 when Sam says, you know, I got to find a boy that, that, that can sing this rock and roll stuff. And it's because of My Happiness. So My Happiness, I think it it's it, Probably at the I, I don't know that it's at Graceland. It might be at Graceland. I think it's at the Country Music Hall of Fame. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, now that's all right, Mama. The uh, the acetate from WHPQ Radio. Sam pressed one copy wow. before the the single was uh, was 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 released, and that one copy is is home at Graceland now. But that that was an an incredible morning uh, with Wink playing that playing that record and hearing the scratches that. <laughs> You know, from there's just nothing like that. It just that's the that's the record that did it. So an amazing birthday celebration. And again, to compliment Angie, I've been to Graceland. I don't know. I've toured it a couple hundred times, probably taking friends and everything. And I can't wait to get back just to see that record. You know, and, and let me ask you this. This is an interesting question, I think. Could Marion Keisker be the most underrated figure in the history of rock and roll? And then in the history of music, you know what? I, I, I think so. Uh, it's interesting. So, so one of the events that we do, and by the way, if you hear barking in the background, uh, that it, it sounds like Stella and this might be dinner time. So this may be a short <laughs> podcast, um, but Stella is, is she makes herself known. Millie and Maxine, they're very chill. They kind of hang back. Yeah. But Stella runs the place. At but it's not pounds. Lisa barking. That's not no, your wife that's, barking at that, you. Saying, she's you know. got a very distinctive bark, and I can tell <laughs> that's not it. Uh, the uh, Marion Keisker, uh, part of the uh, Memphis bus tour that we do, and we did, ten, we did two Memphis bus tours uh, this year at birthday. And we, we travel around Memphis and go to sites and things. We get out of the bus at different places. We get out of the bus at Humes High School and, and go there and we get our pictures in front of there. We go to Sun there at 706 Union. And one of the stops we make is Overton Park Shell, the site of Elvis's first concert in late uh, July 1954. And this year they had added something to it. There were three uh, uh, guides that took us all backstage and showed us things, and there were photos on the wall and histories of the Overton Park shell on the wall. And as we're standing, and this is the first time we had done it this year, 
and she grabs my arm and and she doesn't want to say anything because we're in this small room with a bunch of fans and the, the the tour guides are talking. She grabs my arm and she just looks at me and then she looks at the wall and she looks back at me. So I follow her where her eyes are. One of the actresses that was very involved in the Overton Park shell in the 20s when it had live theater was a photograph of young Marion Keisker. Really? Yeah. She was an she actress. Was, she was an actress. She was a showbiz kind of person. She was there through the 30s, and her name was all over the wall. And it was fun to watch the fans start seeing, like, that's Marion Keisker right there. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> And Angie was the first one that spotted it because th- there she was. And well, we have to go back there and see that now. Yeah. So, uh, so there's just so you, again, Jeff, like you said, always something new to discover, always something new to learn. And it's that little 10 second miracle that I always talk about that, you know, every day you're going to see if you've got your eyes open every day, you're going to see something you hadn't seen before that you can't explain. It might be something as simple as. I was looking for my keys. They're not on the dresser. Let me go look here. And I come back and now they're on the dresser. What the heck just happened? Uh, <laughs> or it can be Marion Keisker popping up backstage at the Overton Park shell. But uh, she also she joined the military later in the 50s and ran into Elvis, I think, at one of his military press conferences. Um, he was he, I think he said I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this this lady. So amazing. Talk about uh, Sam Phillips all you want, but you know what? Marion Keisker's right there with Sam. And if it hadn't been yeah. for Marion remembering Elvis, Elvis didn't come back in July of 54. Incredible. So, and, and talk about little things on the wall and things you see. Uh, we were very fortunate New Year's Eve to spend it in Tupelo. Uh, we did a show there at, at Charlie Watson's Silver Moon Club with uh, Charlie and Peggy there. And if you ever get a chance to go to Tupelo, if you're fortunate enough to uh, to see that uh, Cadillac Escalade out in front, go say hi to Charlie and tell him Tupelo Tom and Jeff sent you. <laughs> and it's one of the most unique buildings and places in the world. Uh, we had a great show, a great time. But in that building where the famous uh, concession stands Jerry Lawler wrestling match happened, just look that up on YouTube, mm-hmm. Charlie has – kind of a, a painting and recreation of the fairgrounds where you would buy a ticket to go see Elvis at the fair. Mm-hmm. And that grill, that metal grill that he has on that wall was from the ticket booth. That's right. Of the original fairgrounds. Yeah. There was a double, uh, uh, uh kind of uh, pillars uh, that were a, a bricked uh, a bricked up uh, ticket booth and that grill is is from there and uh, that was uh, you, you reminded me so we we did uh, Cody amazing Cody and infinity uh, we did four sold out Christmas with the King shows in uh, mid-December in Franklin Tennessee at the uh, Franklin theater and at, I was at backstage uh, on we did uh, a matinee on Saturday night show on Saturday matinee on Sunday night show on Sunday night. And um, between shows Sunday afternoon, I'm sitting backstage and, and I hear Cliff Wright and uh, and they were talk all of the, everybody backstage was talking. Casey was talking. They were talking about logistics of what they were going to do and how they were going to get equipment down to Tupelo from, you know, Nashville. And I'm listening to all this and, and I'm not really paying any attention. And finally, I just said, guys, um, it, it, this sounds very complicated. I said, is there anything I can do? I've got a Jeep, you know, in the morning going to Tupelo. 
and the only thing in the Jeep is a suitcase. Can I take anything down in my Jeep Wrangler, uh, you know, to Tupelo for you? Suffice it to say, Jeff, I became a roadie for <laughs> Infinity, and Daniel's entire drum kit, the entire drum kit in my um, uh, uh, Jeep, so I uh, the next morning I get up and I text Peggy and I said, hey, Peggy, I've got the drums for the band. When can I get in to uh, the Ice House, uh, you know, the, the Silver Moon Club? I said, when can I get in? I need to drop all these drums. And she goes, well, you don't need me, honey. You've got a key. That's right. <laughs> and I, I was like, well, yes, I yes, I do. And so, Jeff, I drove down when I got back. I drove to uh, to the Silver Moon and used my key. And went in the door and went over to the loading dock in the back and opened that door and backed my Jeep in to where the room I used to see wrestling in with Jerry the King Lawler and Jackie the Great One, the fabulous one, Jackie Fargo, and unloaded all the band equipment. And I got to tell you, after hauling all that band equipment, all that drum equipment out of my Jeep into the, uh, the, into the venue, I'm really glad I didn't play drums. <laughs> right. There's a lot of pieces to a drum set. There's yes, there a are. lot of packing and unpacking that young Daniel <laughs> has to do with that stuff. So, but for a weekend, I got to be a roadie for uh, Infinity, and uh, it, it's it was a lot of fun to be a part of that. But you're right; that's a very historic uh, house. And New Year's Eve, how great was that? That was just oh, so much great. fun. And Inf- Infinity's so good. I mean, Jody McDowell and Chris Patty, Radney Pennington, what a talent he is. Yep, Braxton Sykes. Yep. Kayla and Casey, uh, just a, a fantastic band, and and more importantly, fantastic people. We just had a wonderful time. Uh, I, I even sang a few reluctantly, but had a great time. And uh, it, it was one of the most fun New Year's Eve. You know, New Year's Eve, if you're a musician, you always worked because you got paid more. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I never looked forward to it because I was always playing gigs at Honky Tonks growing up and all that. And so it was really fun to spend it with family and friends, singing Elvis and watching, you know, Finley and Braxton do their thing. They're so talented. Oh, yeah. And spending it with Infinity and, and seeing Charlie and Peggy. Uh, it was just a, a great time. And uh, so that happened. And then a few days later, I left off and, and went to Memphis uh, for all the birthday activities. One of the other things that we did, again, Alicia and Jen coming up with different things to do. I had a conversations uh, session. And uh, one of the people that we had during conversation was the artist that works for Inesco, uh, the company that makes all those Christmas villages and little collectibles and things. And uh, they now have a what will be permanent uh, display there across the street at Graceland and what used to be some of the gift shops across the street from the old uh, configuration of of all the gift shops. Uh, And this artist was the one that was responsible for working on the model of the Lisa Marie airplane. Wow. And so I talked to her. She had carved it in, in clay. And moles are made from that. And she had all these photos of the Lisa Marie taken that she was recreating it down to the rivets uh, on uh, on the real plane to the to the model of the plane. And there's uh, there's a couple of different models of uh, of Graceland, some with snow and Christmas lights and some just regular models of Graceland in the in the UNESCO uh, collection. But met so many people that have been collecting these for years, these these uh, these. uh, you know, they have Harry Potter villages and old is English villages. 56. Is that what it's called? That's it. Yeah. It's yeah. That's it, yeah. I'm, I'm going to lose every penny I have buying stuff over there next time I'm in Memphis. I can't wait. 
Well, I found they have, Jeff, uh, a collection. Uh, they have the Christmas Vacation Collection. Yes. They have Cousin Eddie's uh, RV. <laughs> They've got the house uh, with uh, completely lit, like Chevy lit it, with Chevy <laughs> hanging off the front of the house. That's uh, great. I mean, there's. You're right. Uh, we're we're going to be we're going to be over there a lot. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the 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 Lisa Marie airplane, uh, reasonably priced, I thought for fifty dollars. That's not a oh, bad I'll deal. Be, I'll um, be buying it. I'll be giving people airplanes now. I think for birthdays, uh, I'd like to give you I'd like to give you an airplane. Uh, here well, it is. Mine is mine is February eighteenth, so you can uh, you know remember that. Can can mail that to you. And uh, somebody else we had during conversations uh, that was new this year was a, 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 a stunt woman. Uh, and her name's Sandy Gimple, Sandra Gimple, and she was in 15 Elvis movies as a dancer and later became a stunt woman. And I'm going through her book and Jeff, you know, I'm a huge student of 60s and 70s TV shows because that's when I was watching. Uh, she was in every show. She was she was good friends with Bill Bixby, called him oh, Bix. Wow. Who I'm a huge Bill Bixby fan. Uh, she was in The Magician, my one of my favorite TV shows with Bill Bixby. But telling stories that she was with Bill one time when Elvis came to visit. And it was just amazing the stories that she had. And again, someone Graceland found after all these years. And in her book, she talked about after shooting an Elvis movie one afternoon, Elvis said, hey, we're going over to this club on Sunset. Would you like to go with us? And in her book, she talks about a young woman who was in the movie with her as a dancer. Her father owned a nightclub on the Sunset Strip, and they would close off the balcony, and Elvis and his guys would go up there and drink Pepsis and and watch the music. And I said, do you know who that woman was, that girl was, whose father owned the nightclub? And she said, yes, it was uh, her name was Sandra, like mine. And I said, well, she's in the other room. She's Wink Martindale's wife. And they hadn't oh, seen each other since the 60s. Golly. I mean, it was it was a I mean, Elvis brings people together even after 60 years. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here where I record where we record the podcast. I'm in my uh, man cave here and I've got all this NFL autograph memorabilia, the longest yard memorabilia that I have. And I also have a lot of Marvel stuff. And one of the things I have is everyone that played the Hulk. And so I'm staring at Bill Bixby's autograph right now. Uh-huh. Of course, and Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> I have Bill Bixby. I have an autograph across the room of Bill Bixby as the magician. So, <laughs> and, and so you, I love the meme that uh, has the picture of Bixby looking up with the green eyes and said, in the 70s, when you saw this, you know, stuff was about to get real. <laughs> it's well, it was just, uh, it was a lot of fun. Gene Crispin was there, the drummer for the Memphis Boys. They had a, uh, Andy Childs had a, a Memphis uh, reunion kind of concert. And I had the Holiday Sisters, uh, Ginger and Mary were there. And talk to them. And we spent then a lot of time uh, talking to Wink Martindale, a really in-depth interview with Wink, telling his story about uh, being in Memphis and being friends with Elvis in the 50s and how he went to uh, to Los Angeles in uh, 1959 and had a career in television and radio out there and would run into Elvis every now and then. And Sandy was, you know, on Elvis sets in movies as a dancer with him and how they met. And then uh, an incredible honor happened that uh, was great. Uh, I think they told me this was the fourth time that I'd been involved in uh, introducing uh, Dean Deo and all the committee from the Beale Street Music Foundation. And uh, Wink joins Elvis and GK and Jerry Schilling and a lot of other great Memphis legends. And he got his brass note 
on Beale Street for his wow. career in music and his contribution to music and entertainment and Memphis. So he was very honored by that. And it was great to be a part of that. A lot of people were uh, excited for him to, to get that award. And it's been a long time coming. They've been they've been trying to coordinate it and get it to him. But, you know, COVID hit and all this stuff. So they were finally able to, to present him with his uh, brass music note. And I thought, one day, if I was only from Memphis and I was half as good as Wink Martindale, I might be able. No, I'll never be able to get my own brass man on Beale Street. I, I, told, I told Wink one time, I said, I'd give anything to look like you at my age. You know, Sandy, <laughs> and Sandy's still beautiful and she's such a wonderful person. Wink looks amazing. He's such a great guy. I love what Sandy says when she says, Elvis was the best kisser. But Wink was the best husband. Oh, that's yes. <laughs> and yes. Wink says, yeah, maybe I was kissed her, but I married her. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, he came out. We were there for the birthday and I, I was walking with Sandy and Wink up the drive to the tent, you know, where they have the birthday celebration. And we look around. We can't find Wink. It's like, well, how can we lose him between the mansion and the front yard? Where Wink's out dancing on the front yard. They're playing Elvis. You know, they're playing Argos playing Elvis music from Elvis radio winks over there doing a time side glide step kind of thing. He, he, he just turned 90 in December. Wow. And is absolutely amazing. And, uh, Really show really shows that if you live a good life, it it, it comes back and, and and rewards you. You know, I turn fifty seven next month, and I the only sliding I'm doing is on ice, and I did it the other night. And it was not fun. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. And our thoughts go out at this point too to Betty Rosenblatt in Memphis, yes. who, who who fell, and uh, she's one of our you know family of fans and friends. Wonderful and, person, uh, wonderful person, and most of the f- brilliant photography that all of us use to show ourselves looking good on stage a lot of times betty's one of the ones that took the photo so yeah. uh, we want her to get her better up, and, and be back thank god and, and prayers go out to betty i'm so glad you you know so many of the elvis family and fans are you know the bvds we've talked about them are such wonderful people and they are the reason we're able to do this uh make a living doing this and betty sent me she uh, i wrote a, a a show for my festival based on the Cirque du Soleil Viva Elvis show where we used the music from that uh, show. And I had Cody Delnath, Ben Thompson and Dean Z. And I said, I don't want you to dress like Elvis. I want you to look cool like Elvis, Mm -hmm. but I want it to be a modern show. using that music, Mm -hmm. but in an Elvis style. And the show was my favorite show I've ever produced. It just showed how relevant Elvis would be today, you know, but Betty took, it was so emotional when the show was over. Cause I wanted it to work and I'd imagined it in my head, what it would be like. And the guys killed it, of course. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking up to the stage and all three of them are hugging me. And I was just overtaken with emotion because I was so proud of them. And Betty caught that picture. And yeah. she put it on a canvas, black and white canvas print. Uh, and I'd, it's hanging on my wall in the den. And and uh, I was just so moved by that gesture of her to do that and send that to me. And and uh, so, Betty, get well. We're all praying for you and thinking about you. Yeah. And also, you know, our family, too, lost uh, Lydia Cox from, uh, yes. from Louisiana over the last few weeks. And we think about her, met her through uh, Mary Pat. Mary Pat and Lydia may have been one of the first sets of fans that, uh, uh, well, they both, they started the uh, Tom Brown fan club. 
back oh, in 2007 right. when I started hosting in Tupelo. And uh, uh, it, it was it, it's it's still to this day free to become a member of the Tom Brown Elvis fan uh, Elvis uh, the Tom Brown fan club. Um, it's five hundred dollars to leave the fan club. But it's oh, they're open slots. There's always open slots because uh, it's unending and no one ever leaves. I'm just waiting on someone to leave so I can make some money on this thing. But, uh, it, you know, like I said, we 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 remember everybody that that uh, is, is part of our family. And we do get to that's one of the you know, there's there's so much negative on Facebook. Uh, one of the good things is it keeps us all in touch with each other and we get to. We get to know what's happening with our family and friends yes. out there and uh, uh, good things and bad things. So we, we think about them and, and uh, we'll keep we'll keep it rocking. Uh, yeah. You know. And uh, Jeff, one of the other things that that I've, I've just got this, I just had this amazing list. And, and you know, Alex, I'm, we've never taken a break. Do we need to do we need to take a break or we just need to plow on through this? That's up to you guys. If you want to plow on through, I'm here for it. Well, we'll just keep plowing. Let's then, plow. Uh, the field is fertile, so we'll we'll keep doing that. Um, as an Elvis fan, I'm always on the lookout for, again, like you said, Jeff, what you keep learning new and different things. And a few years ago, uh, over the course of maybe two or three different appearances, I interviewed Greg McDonald, who was a, a guy that had worked in Colonel Parker's office and uh, worked alongside Colonel Parker, had an interesting story of when he was a teenager in Palm Springs and how we met Elvis and how he, uh, he met Colonel Parker um, when, when Greg was a teenager and uh, went to work for him kind of as a driver and, and learning the business through Colonel Parker. He's written a new book uh, called Elvis and the Colonel, an insider's look at the most legendary partnership in show business. And I've been I, I was telling uh, Alex this before we start started the broadcast. I'm two weeks overdue returning this book to the library <laughs> in Tupelo. Uh, I'm probably going to end up buying my own copy, probably the one I'm holding uh, from the library. Um, but it's just a fascinating look at the life of, of Colonel Parker, written by a guy who knew Colonel Parker, has access to a lot of the records of, of things that Colonel Parker did over the years, the contracts that were negotiated with Hollywood studios and music venues and RCA. And I think as fans, we owe it to ourselves uh, to read up and to know what all is going on in the Elvis world and to read these things. If you're not a fan of Colonel Parker, that's fine. I can understand that. But you owe it to yourself to find out this man's version, Greg McDonald's version of here's here's what I saw when I worked for Colonel Parker and and those kind of things. And I'm fascinated by the man and by the contribution that he made in Elvis's career. I don't know that Elvis's career is the same. Obviously, I don't think it's the same without Colonel Parker at really any stage. Uh, and as you read the book, you really find out all the things that are done today in music and in negotiation. Things ask for in contracts that were not asked for before Colonel Parker asked for them. Uh, percentages of box office and, and um, you know, what, what, what does it mean for a manager to get 15 or, tw or 20% or in Colonel's case, maybe 30, 35%, maybe 50% on some contracts? One of the interesting facts I found out among many, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, Elvis makes Love Me Tender, signs a multi-film contract with Hal Wallace, and is immediately loaned out to 20th Century Fox to be a co-star in Love Me Tender. Colonel Parker's idea, don't put him in his first movie as a lead. 
put him in another movie, let him learn what it's like to be on a set, how a set works, how it, how it, how, how you act in front of a camera without having to carry the movie. But that contract he negotiated, standard in the industry, was about uh, $100,000 for an actor to sign for the number of years, whatever it was, seven years or seven pictures that he signed, $100,000. So Colonel Parker would have gotten 20% of that as a normal standard manager, right? Mm-hmm. Elvis would have made 80000 and everybody would have been happy. Colonel Parker got a million for wow. Elvis and took his percentage of that, Elvis made about $700,000. Colonel made $300,000. Elvis got 600 and something thousand dollars more because Colonel Parker negotiated that. I see it as reading this book. What I see is a team that was working together to get Elvis more money. Did Colonel get a lot more money than a normal manager? Yes, he did. But he was in almost every case negotiating on Elvis's behalf, getting way more than was offered. So, you know, you leave out that part when if you're a, an anti-Colonel person saying, well, you know, Colonel got 35, 50 percent. He got, you know, yeah, in some cases he did. But that percentage was made up. for You know, it's like one of these investment bankers. You know, I don't take my money until I make you money. Well, mm-hmm. you've got to make the money for me to get that. So if Colonel's getting three hundred thousand, Elvis got you know seven hundred thousand. He got six hundred thousand more than he would have gotten without Colonel being his manager. And there's so. kind of a bottom line too of Elvis never reached a point in his life. Maybe he would have if he'd have been around longer. We don't know. Uh, he didn't have to worry about buying a plane or renting out a movie theater or an amusement park or buying a ranch or anything else. You know, he could do anything he yeah. wanted all the time. That was yeah. kind of and, a bottom line. And uh, w- one of the things that's in there that comes out, uh, and it's in, it's in. I, I knew this before, but not to the amount of detail he had. In the 20s, Colonel Parker, um, he did come over to the country as an illegal alien. He was in the United States Army, though. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a member of the Army for several years and even reenlisted. I think he was in the Army close to 10 years. There was, and he was one of, the, one of his stations was Pearl Harbor. So when Elvis went to Pearl Harbor in the 50s to do that concert in the 60s and was in Hawaii uh, to film movies, Colonel Parker had friends still on the island that he had known in the mm-hmm. Army that were hanging out with him. Wow. And uh, one of the legends is Elvis never toured overseas because Colonel was afraid of, you know, going out and getting out of the country. He was an illegal alien. It comes out in the book that um, he's got the paperwork and Charles Stone, our friend, has paperwork that there are travel arrangements being made, hotels being booked for uh, a European tour uh, in 77, 78. That Colonel would have run from the United States. But then again, Colonel didn't always go on the road with Elvis anyway. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing, too. One of Colonel's best friends was LBJ. Wow. And Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter. They would take his phone call when he called. I think they could have worked out a passport situation. Probably, for him. probably would have been OK. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think they could have probably done that. So there's just a lot of a lot of things in there. One of the things uh, that, that I, I, I read that that really impressed me and, and I send it out there to all the people who produce Elvis festivals. Colonel Parker's motto was um, under promise and over deliver. Yeah. Save something. Don't put everything out. And uh, one of the things he did was 
he would uh, they would sell out a venue and he would release some more tickets and they would sell that section out. And they just it, he just he kept the momentum going with the way he released information and the way he released tours and things like that. And uh, there's another thing. The quote on the back of the book, I think, is my favorite. And it's from Colonel Parker. The artist always wears the white hat. <laughs> so if there's a bad guy in the story, Colonel was absolutely fine with everyone putting all the negative on him because the artist wears the white hat. There Just something, something to remember. So, Greg McDonald, I can't wait till the next time I see you. Fascinating book. And like I said, I invite anybody out there, fan or non-fan of Colonel Parker, keep informed. You know, read, know what's going on. Get, get that. Don't get everything off of Wikipedia, which, by the way, <laughs> is pretty much edited by us, the right. public. Uh, so I don't, I don't know how that algorithm works, but yeah. uh, I can go on there right now and, and change my birthday if I had a yeah. Wikipedia listing, which I, I'm kind of upset that I don't, I guess. But uh, interesting stuff, and uh, I, I just I find it fascinating again that there's so much still to learn ab- about Elvis. And, and I'll be on Amazon today buying it for sure. And I was telling Cody about it. And as we spoke, <laughs> as we spoke, he goes, uh, Cap, I, I just downloaded it. I've, I'm going to be traveling the country. He's got a big tours, a bunch of big tours coming up. And, uh, right? I, you know, I'm not sure. I think he's uh, did I see he's in Florida or so. I, I don't I don't he, know. I can't. He's in Florida right now getting ready for the Myrtle Beach Elvis Festival next week. Well, that's what I thought we would segue into. Let's talk about what's coming up. We we uh, are kind of reaching what we decided would be our limit on this podcast to start it off. And I thought maybe we should talk about that a little bit next week. The Myrtle Beach Elvis Festival. You know, Tom, that's kind of the first festival we've talked about this that everything changed. It was the yeah. first time we went from great crowds, you know, a couple hundred people here and there and nice to all of a sudden 600, 700 people. And then of course, you know, in Collinsville, we had, you know, 1200 people in Scottsdale, we had 1200 people, but Myrtle beach was the first time I looked out and half the audience was brand new. Mm-hmm. And they came back the next year, and they're coming back this year. And you can go to MyrtleBeachElvisFest.com for information. It's February 1st through the 3rd. It's going to be an exciting – Myrtle Beach is gorgeous. It's right on the beach. you got Ben Thompson, Dwight Eisenhower, of course, Cody Delnath, our producer. You may have heard of him, Alex Mitchell. Uh, Austin Irby, Michael Chambliss, Max Lee James, Braxton Sykes, Finley Watkins. Those guys are so great. The Infinity Band, which we talked about early. And, of course, Tupelo Tom and Big Lou will be there. And we'll sign anything that you have. Except for checks. For, except except checks, checks and uh, and credit card statements. <laughs> won't, right. won't sign that. But a lot of different uh, things. Two shows a day, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And a very special um, uh, Wednesday night, kind of a little opening thing for the uh, the the the, uh, the the holders of the uh, the passes in it for the pass holders. And then late night jam sessions, which are going to be kind of fun. And uh, this one I'm really looking forward to on Friday night, the Elvis Big Screen Disco Party. Can't wait for that one because <laughs> my love of BGS will be on full display and my sliding skills will be. At- yes. And there's dolphins, man. There's dolphins jumping around out there. It's super cool. Like Dan Marino? Yeah, and, Fran- and Zonka. Larry Zonka yeah, will be there. Yeah, Kick and Zonka. Oh, man, I love that. 
Boy, Alex is going who? Kick and Zonka. <laughs> Butch and Sundance. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. So we got a lot of fun festivals coming up. We'll talk about after Myrtle. I've got like all this time off. I don't even know what to do. And then Nashville. But we'll talk right. about that on our next podcast. And the special guest, which you're going to have to um, – quarantine her away from me because she was an obsession of mine. And we'll just talk about that on the next podcast, you think? Yes. Uh, you can do a little research out there and find out who are. Uh, we have an incredible panel of judges who will be judging our contest to send someone to the ultimate in Memphis. But we have a very special celebrity judge uh, coming in on Saturday night of the Nashville Elvis Festival to be a celebrity judge. And uh, we're going to have to assign a full security team uh, to her to make sure that we keep Big Lou because you if know. you're my age, she was the it girl and still is. Yes. But and we'll talk about that on the next one. But, man, I, I can't wait. Myrtle Beach is one of my favorite places. So proud of Alex, uh, who co-produces that with Cody uh, from ETA Festivals. Like I said, go to MyrtleBeachElvisFest.com for all the information. It's going to be an exciting show. Great talent. Uh, wonderful audiences uh, every time we go there. And, and Tom, this will be your first one in Myrtle Beach to join us. I can't wait. It's, I, I felt so left out last year. You guys were there, and I was just sitting here at home, and everybody <laughs> was partying and having a good time. And somebody, I guess, looked around and said, where's Tupelo Tom? I know. So um, I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm excited on the way there. I'm going to stop off in Columbia and see my uncle who I haven't seen in a number of years, my dad's youngest brother. So I'm, I'm excited about that for me personally. And uh, you can go to NashvilleElvisFestival.com to find out details about the Nashville Festival in uh, later March and a very special uh, appearance uh, during that uh, honoring the 50th anniversary of Elvis's <laughs> Memphis concert with Bill Cherry, 50 years and one day later uh, of the original date of, uh, of that concert in Memphis that 14-year-old me was at. So, oh, and we want to congratulate Alex. Got runner-up at the yeah. uh, Timmy Henry's Festival, Smoky Mountain Elvis Festival, and our great friend and incredible talent Jesse Aaron won it, qualifying for uh, the ultimate. And Alex got runner-up, and I heard it was extremely close. And uh, Alex, just keep going. You'll get in that ultimate, man. You're such a great talent, and we're big fans of yours, of course, as our producer, our friend. And most importantly, a very talented ETA and sadly, the champion of our fantasy football league. <laughs> Boy, he's, still, so he's still on you about that one, isn't he? Oh, no, he's never going to let it go. I I got, it was poor officiating. I just got. I was. Uh, I, I actually watched uh, the competition, and Alex, I was very proud of you. And Jesse did a great job too. And you know, Alex, and and you may, you may, you may not say this now, but one day you will. If you don't win, you at least want it to be a friend. You know, you want it That's to be right. a good guy. And Jesse's just Jesse's a member of the family too. So he I was is. so proud of him. Yeah. You know, that's exactly what I said. It's really hard to be mad when it's one of your friends and somebody you look yeah. up to up there that just won a contest like yeah. this. Look at that. Our, our boys growing up, Jeff. <laughs> that's right. And Jesse's <laughs> just a, a great represent, representative of the Elvis tribute artist, his talent, his passion for Elvis and what a guy he is and great singer. And uh, so proud of all of them. Well, Tom, episode one, season two, we, we, it, it, we've done it. That's right. Uh, you know, it's time now to go to the rap party that'll be happening uh, backstage. Uh, very excited about that. Uh, I think Infinity's playing our after party tonight after this uh, performance. So uh, we just want to thank, you know, we would not be doing 
the second episode, if we hadn't gotten great feedback and uh, people out there listening to the the podcast that we did for the year of 2023. So as we venture into 24, and like you said, Jeff and Alex, give that web address. Uh, if people want to give suggestions to stuff for us to talk about, or if they have any questions, we would love to have some interaction. So we will read your request on the air and, and you know, and do the best we can to answer it if you've got any questions. And uh, we just want to make this interactive and, and bring you something different. Like we said, the Elvis podcast world has a lot of podcasts. And you know what? There's room for everybody. So let's yes. have fun with this. If you'd like to get in touch with Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talkin', visit www.tupelotomandbigloutalkin.com. That's www.tom and Tupelo. Oh, uh, <laughs> we got to keep that. Don't edit that out. Do not edit that. <laughs> I refuse to let you edit that out. <laughs> And email us at Tupelo Tom and Big Lou talking at gmail.com. And you know, the way that Jeff and I make mistakes, you can't keep that stuff in. <laughs> That's right. Hey, they'll, 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 they'll put a, they'll put a bleep right over us right there. I tell you. <laughs> That's right. All right. Over well, your big mouth. Right? That's right. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up here and uh, we look forward to seeing you down the road. See everybody. If you're on your way right now to Myrtle beach, look out, there's a car slowing down in front of you. Uh, <laughs> And we just want to say, uh, you know, uh, we'll close this one out as we did for an entire season. Uh, I'm Tubalo Tom. And I'm Big Lou. And, and we're, we're done, done talking. talking. That's pretty good. Well, almost. Not bad. Almost in sync. As my old boy at the Cowtown used to say, well, we'll see you. <laughs> if you're driving home or not, don't forget to take your car. Amen. If you're on your way home tonight, be sure to drive just as fast as possible. Run blocker for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs>